Choose not to live in a world of filters. Realize your mistakes. Set the foundation for your success. Get some wins. Knucklehead Podcast. Uh, fantastic. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of Knucklehead Podcast. We have with us the money smart man himself, Mr. Matt. I'm going to screw up your last name, so why don't you go ahead and tell everybody how to say it. How you guys doing? What's up, Knuckleheads? It's uh, it's nice to have a fellow uh, a fellow Marine. Uh, a term of endearment, I think, is what it's called with the uh, with the jarhead. Hey, this is this is a different this is a different way to use that word, knucklehead. Listen, today what we're going to do is we're going to cover we're going to cover a couple things. Matt Matt brands himself uh, as the smart money guy, and well, I've heard it said so many times before that people screw up their finances when they screw up their finances. They don't want to talk about it. They don't want to talk about it because they don't want to let everybody know how screwed up they are. Yeah realizing that people make mistakes all the time is what this podcast is all about. So if you're an aspiring entrepreneur, you're somebody who's in sales, or you're somebody who wants to just get some information, these are the, this, these are the ways that we can get information out there. So that's really what Matt's, uh, Matt's here to talk about today. He's going to talk about some success. He's going to talk about some failures. He's probably going to talk about the combination and the relationship between both of them. So I'm excited about today. So thank you for taking some time, buddy. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad to be here, man. So I'm, I'm very far away, buddy. All right. Where, where, so you're in Miami. Uh, it's not cheap there. What, what are you doing in Miami besides, uh, besides helping people? So we, have, we have two offices in Miami. I'm helping one of the offices here to grow. They just moved into a new office space. And uh, we're doing some recruiting. We're doing some okay. training. We're doing some, um, we're doing some uh, business development uh, uh, skills to help our brand new guys get off the ground. We're based out of Chicago uh, at a suburb called Oak Brook, Illinois, and uh, I happen to lead the Money Smart Movement team, and and they're part of the uh, extension of that here in Miami. Okay, that's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, so what? So what was it about? What was it about entrepreneurship that 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 attracted you in the beginning? I mean, you you're you're a Marine, right? So you and I were trained a lot of the same way. Listen, chow to chow, Sunday to Sunday is how we got through boot camp. So um, what was it about entrepreneurship that attracted you in the beginning? I was excited about having an unlimited upside of income where I can bust my ass and outwork everybody and get compensated for it. Because how many times do we do that in the Marine Corps? We bust our tail and somebody else gets the nam. Somebody else gets the commendation. Somebody else gets the reward and they get recognized in front of the formation. We're like, wait a minute, that knucklehead got promoted? That knucklehead got the man. I outworked that guy. Yeah. How come nobody? How come no, nobody knows about the work I'm doing? And so when I looked at entrepreneurship, I, I I felt like a fish out of water. But I wanted to say if I can learn some new skills, just like the Marine Corps taught me a lot of new skills, then at least this way I get financially rewarded for it. And uh, being a single father at that time in my last year in the Marine Corps, I needed to find a transition plan. And um, this that's that's why I landed in the money business. So that I mean that's a that's an incredible story for for two reasons. What I heard is uh, your safety net was gone, right? Uh, Marine Corps, uh, government agencies, and, and in some cases even your job is a safety net. So you didn't have that safety net anymore, which creates a kind of a layer of instability when you go out there and taking risk. Yep. Um, and you understand that when you go out and take risk, you're going to fail. It's just to the degree of failure and how much that impacts you. So how did you measure that, knowing that you had another life that you were responsible for being a dad? I had to find a way, as a knucklehead, to replace my current income on evenings and weekends and reinvesting my time on evenings and weekends to learn a new craft. 
So I said, if, if I'm not going to re-enlist into the Marine Corps, I've got to make the same amount of money I was making in the Marine Corps part-time, right? The weekends. Because I remember Corporal McComb. Corporal McComb, I don't know why he was an eight-year corporal. Right? Eight-year corporal. Yeah. You, you busted down. And, oh, man, yeah. I just never got promoted. Eight-year corporal, but he was making more money part-time fixing people's cars on base housing. Oh, wow. So he, he changed out your brakes. Old change, um, you need some, you know, something with your car, whatever. But as soon as we got off, uh, you know, we got off at sixteen hundred. He'd go home, and then people would, would he built such a reputation that he had a little business on base housing, fixing people's cars. So I was like, I need to find my hustle. Yeah, I need to find my hustle. So um, I ended up in the money business. I, I was, I was uh, in the bathroom of a Best Buy. Wow. And a retired master sergeant struck up a conversation with me, violated a man rule. Right? You don't talk to uh, another guy in the bathroom, especially if you don't know. No. But uh, he said, hey, listen, I'm a Marine. And they showed me his plan. He had a Marine Corps logo on it. And uh, you know, so we started a conversation there. He, he asked me two questions, Stephen. He said, hey, you like money? Yeah. Second question, you like a lot of money? Absolutely. Third question, well, do you know the rules? What rules? Rules in a money game. Uh, no, I mean, I have a job. Well, anybody can get a job, but do you know the rules of money? I do not know the rules of money. So that's why you like a lot of money, but you don't really like a lot of money because you don't know the rules. More importantly, do you know the players? You have people around you that in your corner that are making a lot of money and showing you the way. I said, no. If I can, if I can help you alleviate those two things, would that be of any interest to you? I said, 100%. And so that began my journey. As an entrepreneur, learning sales, learning the money business in, uh, was it 19, 1998, 1999? Wow. That's, that's a cool story. First of all, he had your attention. That was a rule number one. Money follows attention, right? Yep. So he had, he had your attention. That's, uh, that's awesome. So let me ask you a question then. In your experience, um, do you feel like all of the information, the way that, uh, the, way that the world and society works today, that there's so much competition for attention that sometimes people don't know what the primary, I guess what the primary, what I'm, I guess what I'm talking around is focus, right? You know, probably more than most that focusing your attention on developing that skill set is what gives you the leverage now. However, back then in the way that the information is, is fragmented today, um, what, what do you see as the biggest cause for a lack of success uh, in today's culture? Good question. I, I think uh, number one, for lack of success in today's culture, is a there's so many choices. I mean, the internet and YouTube has caused really the world's information to be spilled out there for everybody to access. I mean, I got I got, eight, I got an 18 year old right now working together with us based on the teaching training we put up on the internet. She's making four thousand dollars a month right now as an 18 year old. So what people don't lack is information. What people lack is leadership. What people lack is an example. What people lack is somebody in somebody's corner that they can access, work with on a day-to-day basis and say, show me, lead the way. Show me how to do this because it's not that we don't have a YouTube video pop up, but it's nothing to have that YouTube video pop up and you actually, you actually applying it. And I think that's where people get lost. And then when people try to search for more information, they get, they have another suggested video, another suggested video, and then they get so wrapped up in the noise that they never execute. Yep. So, so uh, for example, I had a guy, he watches all my videos, 
man, I watch all your videos, man. I read all the right books. I read every book. You said, great. Have you done anything with it? No. Well, bro, you got, you got, you got to do. Well, how come you're not doing? I'm scared to fail. I'm scared to make a mistake. That's the problem. Yep. Yep. So, absolutely. You, you just, you just touched on, uh, the whole genesis of, of why we started this. I don't want to necessarily call it a movement. I'm not naive enough to think that, um, that people out there uh, aren't willing to work. I mean, we live in the greatest country on the planet. Uh, we have more opportunity than at any other point in time in history. There's no question about it. Um, I just believe that people are taught and programmed uh, in a way that doesn't allow them or encourage them to fail. Right? You, you're, they're always taught that, hey, if you get a C, Mm. that's that's not going to work as a matter of fact if you if you fail this course what that means is public embarrassment you're going to embarrass your family embarrass your kids embarrass you, you know you're, you're you're not encouraged to fail where most entrepreneurs the people who have uh the mindset of of success and i and i feel I've, i'm guilty of this myself paralysis by analysis i can read all the information and criteria but if i'm will if i'm not willing to go out put myself out there and screw up and look like a knucklehead yeah. And I'm not going to go out there and bridge the gap between what I know and what I need to know in order to make the money. It's, yeah. it's, you know, it's sad. And, and the thing the, here's the reality too. I, I think Bill Gates said this at a graduation. He says, see students stand up, see students stand up. He says, Hey students, you're going to be working with them pretty soon. Cause remember Bill Gates was a Harvard dropout. Yeah. You know, uh, Zuckerberg, Harvard dropout, Michael Dell of Dell computers, Texas, university of Texas dropout, Steve jobs, Never went to, went to college for one calligraphy class, dropped out. So he says, C students, stand up. A students, you can be working for them one day. B students, you can be working for the government one day. <laughs> observe, observe the masses and do the opposite, right? It's, um... Listen, I don't, have, I don't have a college degree. Um, I, I, um, I took my GI Bill. Uh, so I got, so transitioning out of Marine Corps, I got my financial licenses, was learning how to do this business on evenings, weekends, part-time. But I went downtown, took my GI Bill to get my formal education in finance. Make a long story short, in two years, I started making more money than my college professor. Oh, nice. Who was a CPA, was an adjunct professor. In other words, he was doing this part-time, was a full-time professor. He was making $95,000 a year. And I started making $10,000 a month, $120,000 a year my second year. And he says, Matt, what are you doing this for? He says, to make a lot of money. Well, you obviously don't need college. You're already doing it. You're doing it. Go do it. So I finished up his tax planning class, never finished it up, never finished up my certified financial planning curriculum and make a long story short. A year later, I found myself making, making six figures. I never took a job from anybody else again since 2001. And, and my wife and I have been working together. My, my wife, uh, I taught my wife this business in seven months, she made a hundred grand, 14 months, she made $250,000. She left her full-time job making 160 grand selling hospital beds for striker. And today we make a, we make a decent living with offices coast to coast. We make seven figures and life is great, but it was, it was through embracing failure, being knuckleheads that, that we decided to go opposite of what society told us what was successful. Go to school, get your grades, get, a, get your degree, get you more marketable and more financially secure. So do you find, do you find that, um, uh... Do you find that, I mean, obviously you don't want to get wrapped around the axle with the, the details here, but the, a lot of what I'm hearing which, with what you're saying is um, there's a work component, whether you're working for somebody else or whether you're working for yourself, that's consistent. However, the additional work that's required and the additional energy that goes into running your own business or being an entrepreneur, how much thought energy, I mean, uh, I don't want to 
all right, so how much thought energy did you have to, uh, to form out to somebody else? How much did your mentors actually help you or assist you? Did they, you know what I'm talking about? How that dependency mentality and entitlement works today, it yeah. seems like. So, um, and, if, and if you want to be mentored, you got to show a mentor why you should be mentored. Yeah. Right? And you got to provide value to them. See, oftentimes people think that they provide treat. value to them. In sales, I don't mean to cut you off or, or uh, interrupt you here, but I hear a lot of sales folks talk about value. And so it may be valuable to give somebody their your opinion. However, uh, that may not necessarily be valuable to that person who is listening to you. So can you can you talk a little bit more about value in, in a sales environment? Like, Yeah. So, so for, example, if I, for example, the value I provide my mentor is that I actually do what he asked or what he just suggested I should do. Okay. Show him results. Sure. Right. And even more better, the way I look at it, the value I provide him is I'm going to do what you ask me to do. I'm going to smash your records, mentor. I'm going to do it a lot faster, quicker, and bigger than you did. Why? Because that's my biggest way of saying thank you. Yep. My, my, my role is to, to, to not kick his, not to kick Mr. Miyagi's ass, him directly, but what he's been able to accomplish throughout his career. Right. And be able to say, hey, mentor, because you deposit into me, the value I provide you is I show proof of concept that it wasn't you. That's your proof of concept that you can deposit into somebody else. And so that's the value I provide my mentor. Now, sometimes, for example, uh, for example, this, this morning, I, I, this, this guy asked me for my opinion. He probably didn't like what I had to say. And without asking me questions, he's like, okay, okay, good idea. I said, can I ask you, can I ask you something? He says, you're not going to follow through what I said, did you? Why do you say that? Because your, your, your body language is telling me that I told you you something you didn't want to hear because you actually got to get to work. You, 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 you were expecting something that you wanted to hear from me, but guess what? Your body language just tells me I said something you don't want to follow through with. So you just, you just touched on something. Um, you would only know that unless you've gone through that emotion yourself. So I mean, it takes one to know one, right? So it's like, oh, my gosh. Uh, you, I told you what you didn't want to hear. It's yeah. only because I've heard that so many times from, you know, you probably heard that from your mentors yeah. before. I'm assuming. I, maybe I'm off base, but I'm assuming that you have. Is that right? When I, was in, when I was in the Marine Corps and I wanted to become the Marine of the quarter or I want to become the corporal and sergeant of the quarter and went in front of these boards, the people I would seek out because my, my staff sergeant, my staff NCO wasn't aligned with being a Marine. He, like, he didn't care about anybody in his unit become the Marine of the Quarter. So who did I go seek? I went to go see Gunnery Sergeant Bunnell and Warrant Officer Sauls because they're former drill instructors. And they were just kick-ass Marines. And I know they are aligned with the Marine Corps mission. I want to be aligned with the Marine Corps mission. I want to be aligned with the movement. I want to be aligned with something greater than myself. My direct staff NCO can give a shit. Yep. Yep. So, so when I went to Gunnery Bunnell, I said, Gay, Gunnery Bunnell, can, can, I, can, I, can, I, can I get mentored from you? And I promise I'm going to go kick ass in this board. And he's funny because you know, it's funny because none of the Marines in my unit want me to mentor them. But you come from a different come from a different unit. You want me to mentor? No problem. And this was aboard the USS Tripoli, so you know we we're doing this aboard ship. Wow. I got to know a lot of the guys because you know a lot of the different units were, were so compacted. Yeah. Anyway, make a long story short, I took his information, and I took his guidance, his, his ability to do drill, how to lead a detail, Marine Corps knowledge. How to sound off, you know. Obviously, PT is easy, 
But all the different components of running a Marine Corps board to become the sergeant of a quarter or Marine of the quarter was because I sought mentorship. My value to that mentor, my value to Warren Officer Salt, my value to Gunner Sergeant Burnell, it says, hey, hey, guys, thank you so much for helping me. I am the sergeant of the court. Thank you to you guys. Yep. They're like, man, that's, that's what I'm talking about. That's, uh, that group dynamics that helped. Uh, it, it could. It had the opportunity to help them point to other Marines that could have taken that same initiative on their unit and just be like, hey, look at this guy who's outside of the unit that, that uh, is now the example that they can point to. So whenever you're doing team building now, I don't know how that relates to, to what you're doing now, but um, – so in the agency that you're at in Chicago, um, do you find that there's a, a difference between military or non-military uh, people who come in and uh, is it a work thing or what is it that you could pinpoint to say, what's the difference between those two? You know, uh, I love working with veterans, but a lot of veterans don't think they can do good in business. Okay. They don't think they can do good in sales, even yeah. though they've been doing that their whole entire career. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, and, absolutely. You know, I, I remember going into a mission on a patrol. And uh, our captain was asking the six different sergeants who, what they would do on that patrol, right? To see how prepared we were. Yeah. And basically, he said, "Sir, but but this is our order. But this is what we do in this situation. But this would be a rally point. But this would be our these equipment and logistics we need. This is how I would do this." So he'd interview six of us. Basically, six of us were selling why we should be running that patrol, right? And if we run the patrol, and we're in charge of it. Guess what? We we climb up in the Marine Corps unit, we're part of the 15th Marine Expeditionary Unit, MARSEC type of unit, special operations capable. And so we, we climb up on the echelon of, of, that, of, that, of that unit. Anyway, yep. um, sadly, a lot of Marines had the work ethic and desire to be something great. And I just want them to know if they're listening right now, you have the desire to be great. Great. You should be compensated for it. You are fighting for freedom. It's time for you to earn, your, earn and live your little slice of freedom. Freedom. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. So you said you love to work with uh, with veterans. How can they find you? I know you're on Facebook, but what is what is money? Is it the money smart, the smart money? Wh- which one is it? How do people find you? Money smart guy. You can find me on moneysmartguy.com. Okay. I'm a money smart guy on Snapchat, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn. Uh, I'm on those. And, uh, and I show through our vlogs. I show through our live videos, which we do twice a week. Live videos, once a week vlogs, everyday Instagram stories behind the scenes, what my life is like as an entrepreneur in the insurance industry and as a veteran, helping other people uh, better plan their finances, helping better increase their finances, um, taking advice from scratch to success. So when it comes to personal finance versus business finance, do you feel like there's uh, a lot of similarities between the two or is that something that you touch on uh, in, uh, in some of your messages that you... Yeah. Uh, I, think if, uh, I think finances is one of the greatest killers of goals. In relationships, you know, 60% of marriages uh, break up because of lack of finances. And here we are uh, building offices across the country to provide a financial education, literacy and awareness. And this is some of the things that you should do. Not the way you were raised up. Sure. But this is what you should, right? Because most, most of the Marines I know weren't raised up with money. That's why we're in the military. That's right. That's and right. Even if you are an officer. Yep. Right? And so uh, having this conversation about money. Uh, uh, and this lack of financial preparation that's going on in our country is due to lack of financial awareness and education in our school system because they teach us academically what we need to know, but they don't teach us financially what we need to know. Sadly, we learn more about our money from our bad experience with money than our good. 
and then we're providing that think tank. We're, we're providing that 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 outreach. We're providing that community of of people. Said, you know what? How many guys are all knuckleheads, right? How many guys uh, got laid off a job, filed bankruptcy, been horrible with your money? Well, guess what? I'm I'm one of the worst examples of money. 1996, I filed bankruptcy. I've been through a divorce, but because of those early examples of what not to do, I learned what to do because I started to proactively seek uh, mentorship and education. To, pre to prevent me from ever having. And then here's the thing too, uh, 2007, 2008, I lost a million dollars in real estate. But because of me learning my mistakes from filing bankruptcy in 1996, I learned not to file bankruptcy in 1990, 2007. Yeah. I learned the rules to navigate my way uh, by not filing bankruptcy and, and find my way to fight my way out of the bad choice I made in real estate investing. Yeah. And you know, 10, 11 years later, I'm, I'm still ahead. Man, that's that's incredible. You you just summarized uh, in about four or five different stories uh, the the uh, what our movement stands. I mean, essentially, we 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 coined. Well, we didn't coin it, but we did it as a direct response to the Hollywood Reporter's magazine cover of uh, the accomplishment of the triumph of the beta male. So, a beta male um, was there was a there was a magazine cover that came out, and so we were like, oh hell no, no, don't be beta. And so you got to be willing to not be beta, screw up, make mistakes, and have an alpha mindset the way that you do. So, I mean, I don't want to say just to kick doors in and go out and, and uh, in, intentionally make mistakes, but the level of analysis that you took when you made those mistakes, that requires you to slow down to speed up, and it requires you to pick apart what was incorrect about or flawed in your decision-making, what was flawed about your kind of risk analysis, and be better. Yeah. I mean, most people, most people, they would, they would do what you did and they would just go get a job realizing that it's a steady paycheck and they, and they want that stability, not understanding that it was the decision. It was the thought it was the choice and it was the willingness to work that actually is the difference between you and them. Yeah, that's right. I mean, there's, there's two major activities that we can take in business uh, in creating cash flow and creating income. The first, the first layer of the activity is linear. So I'm doing a linear activity to create a linear result, right? Operations, yep. accounting, that's linear stuff. I'm excited about exponential. Sure, so that's sure. the second one. So you can have a linear activity or an exponential activity. That's why I'm here in Miami. Yeah, Grant Cardone's over your right shoulder right there. Talk about exponential 10x. Yeah, and, and this is one of my guys that I introduced him to Grant Cardone because Grant Cardone we had as our, as our speaker at the last workshop. And I want my guys to be around guys like him. They're, they're teaching them exponential thinking, right? And so exponential means that I have more man hours in a day. I get more guys thinking like me. I'm not the only one thinking like me, right? And so linear is punching the clock, you know, nine to five, boom, done. You know exactly what you earned this year. Matter of fact, you know exactly what you earned five years from now, 10 years from now, and nothing will change. But exponential, well, that's my X factor. Right, awesome. that's got an element for explosion, time explosion, financial, you know, build up and explosion. And and the thing is, initially, people that operate linear make more money than you initially. Oh yeah. But if you keep going and following your exponential activities, building exponential results, man, you you have an element of explosion. You far surpass 10x, 100x what somebody operating linear would do. That's um, that's a 
it's a really good lesson. It's a very expensive lesson in some cases for people to learn. And it's even more expensive if they, if they never learn it. So uh, if it's all right with you, uh, what I want to do is I want to talk about this one last thing, if it's all right with you. Sure. Uh, because the exponential fact, so whenever you're talking about exponential growth, um, what is what is a what is a thing that you would suggest to an entrepreneur who's in that in that investment phase of their life? How do they know when to stop, and how do they know when to reprioritize their energy somewhere else? Yeah. So for me, the the more responsibility is to make money. If you're doing something that isn't allowing you to make money, um, that 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 is a linear operational duty. So sometimes guys get caught up in the business when entrepreneurs should be working on the business. Yep. I'm working on the business. So especially when you find when you finally lose all passion and desire for it, it becomes a chore. That becomes a role that somebody needs to hire to do. Wow. Right? Because again, your role as an entrepreneur is to make money. Listen, if you don't think I'm right about this, go watch an episode of Shark Tank. Yeah. And see how many times these sharks ask the entrepreneurs asking them for money, ask them the question, how much money are you making? How many sales have you made? Do you have a proof of concept? If I invest in you, if I give my 50 grand, will I get a return on my investment? Because you're selling more, you have orders in place. Watch how many times that happens. And so, and so when we're thinking about building our business and that, and that operation of our business, so either A, if it's, if, if it's a duty that somebody else can do, Create job description and hire somebody to do that. Hmm. The only thing you cannot create a job description for is your genius. And everybody's got it. Right? Your genius, your special X factor, that's something you cannot delegate. That's what makes a business a business. That's what makes it your business. That's incredible, man. That's uh, that's a million dollars worth of information at a minimum right there. That's good stuff. Well, I man, I appreciate you uh, I appreciate you carving out uh, some time. To, to chat with us today we're right up against it um but people want to know more people are going to want to know how do they know i mean how do they know about their you know the difference between an ira why they you know why do they invest in a reit you know what are some trends uh yeah. what is insurance what insurances do i need what insurances are too much and i know that all those details as soon as they uncover those they, they can turn to you or your team for these types of advices so how do, how do people find you outside of those social media channels do they get, they yeah. just get in touch with your office there in chicago you got it. We got offices all across the country. We started with 60 guys in 2009. We have over 6,000 guys today and in Puerto Rico, wow. coast to coast. We got over, we've got over uh, 52 offices across the country. So um, Oscar De La Hoya is an investor in our company. He dropped us $10 million in August to, uh, to grow our company. If people want to find out about us, they can uh, find information on how to attend our convention in Vegas, which is going to be August 14, 15, and 16. Kevin Hart is a guest speaker. Uh, he's going to be on our stage um, uh, on August, I think August 15th, but we're going to be at the Venetian. But between now and then, they can reach out to me at moneysmartguy.com. Uh, they can find out about how to better manage your finances, how to increase your finances. Um, the name of our company is PHP Agency. And uh, we're just excited about disrupting our industry because the thing, the thing about it here too, Stephen, is the average age of a guy in our industry is 59-year-old male. And what we're doing, if you look at us, our stuff, we are attracting a multicultural middle class into this industry. We're disrupting this industry. And uh, why? Because we're, we're, we're recruiting a class of people that are younger, uh, coming out of the military. And uh, this is usually, the insurance industry is usually a third, fourth, fifth career for a lot of people. Second, third, fourth, fifth career for a lot of people. 
I mean, have you ever heard of anybody going to kindergarten and saying, well, I want to be an astronaut. I want to be a firefighter. I want to be a soldier. I want to be this. I want to be a life insurance agent. Nobody ever says that stuff, man. Right? That's right. Uh, uh, but you'll find a lot of people enter this field. They were doing something else before, yeah. and they felt the passion, the crusade of what the insurance industry does for people and how it provides money for people at some of the worst times in their financial life. And the nobility of what we do, like we, we, we fight for people financially that don't know how to fight for themselves, right? And, and so that's, I think that's one of the greatest things we're doing. The most important thing that we do is on the entrepreneur side of things, we teach people how to create their finances. They can take charge of their finances. They're in control, right? And so, you know, that's part of the entrepreneurial journey that you don't have to be a knucklehead. You know, we, we, there's a ton of knuckleheads here at PHP, man. Let's, let's just say that. I was about ready to say that. Come on now. We, we're we all knuckleheads to a certain extent. You know, we just, we just, we don't beat our head up against the wall too many times. You can only do that so many times before your mentor says, the hell are you doing? Stop that. Go out and learn. Well, I appreciate you. I appreciate you taking some time, Matt. Um, you heard it right there, guys. I mean, another, another successful veteran entrepreneur who didn't necessarily need to be told what to do. They just needed to, to be willing to work, created some success with their life, and they're going out there and, and empowering other people to do the same thing. So, Matt, we appreciate the time. Uh, any, any other parting thoughts? Hey, listen, I, I appreciate podcasts like yours, man. I mean, I'm glad that you guys are listening to the Knucklehead Podcast. This, is, this podcast is an example of leadership. The, all the information that's out there and what you're doing here in terms of uh, creating a resource and value for people to, to understand the community that you're creating through this podcast. It's so important. There's so much noise out there. And I'm glad podcasts like yours exist to provide examples of success for veterans to go out there and find. Because I wish I had I wish I had these podcasts when I was getting out in 99. Yep. There's no such thing. There wasn't even cell phones when I was getting out. I'm, I'm dating myself. But there's no such thing as iPhones when I got out. There's no such thing as podcasts and even YouTube. I got out in 99. So, so many things are happening today. I'm glad you're caught in an era where right now, as much as you don't agree with Donald Trump and what he's doing, but he's creating an era where you can make a ton of money and not get taxed on it. Because the next time a Democrat comes into politics and takes over the presidency, guess what we're going to do with the tax, taxes? Okay? Pop it up. Yep. So the era for you to, yep. to take your knuckleheaded nature and let me get my finances squared away and make a ton of money that can set up your family generation for years to come. That's awesome. That's awesome. Appreciate you, man. Appreciate you, man. See you guys. Bye-bye.